Noah's flood is a very interesting subject as we begin to look at it today from Genesis chapter 7. It starts in 6, but chapter 7 is when God tells Noah, get on the ark. It's a good one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And as we study Noah's flood, I believe that it happened. I believe it was a global flood for lots of reasons. We'll talk about that and more as we continue on in today's message. That'll happen in about three minutes time. Corey's coming up in 15 minutes. Corey? I'm going to be looking forward to tomorrow when our assigned reading covers Genesis chapter 10. We're talking Nimrod, and I'm going to show you a piece of an interview that I did. Ryan? Well, today, marine biologist Dr. Robert Carter is back in the program, and the subject that we're discussing is Genesis and our genes. All right. It's very good. <laughs> Excellent. Janice? Let's be faithful to trust and obey God. All right, so take out your Bible guide if you don't have one. We'll tell you how to get one in a moment. Let's read what the Bible says. Genesis 7, 1 through 11. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass, after seven days, that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. You know, I suppose it's one of the most controversial subjects ever. That is the subject of the flood. A lot of people have different opinions on Noah's flood. Some people believe that it never happened. Some people believe it did happen locally. Others believe it was a global flood. As we study today and look at this, we learn something very important about Noah's flood. Noah's flood represents a serious change in history that would have affected the physical world in a significant way. This is very important. Even today, if Noah's flood was real and global, that would change the way that we interpret, interpret the geological structures of the world. Now, we all know how much violent storms impact the earth. So, one of that magnitude 
would leave lasting changes. However, no matter how you view the flood of Noah, we can all agree on the clear messaging of Genesis in this history. God judges the earth because of the great sin of mankind. Mankind has descended so far into sin that every thought was evil. We're told that there was only one family who had chosen to follow God, Noah's. And we all know the rest of the story. God has Noah build a, a huge boat, which was interesting, to serve as a lifeboat for his family and the animals that they would take with them to survive the flood. Now, remember that God is the one who decides and tells Noah that you need to build this ark and I'll bring the animals on the flood or on the ark to avoid the flood. This is absolutely fascinating. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, I want to tell you, we'll, we'll tell you how to get one. Call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and at BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the Bible guide and it'll take you to a place where you can download it exactly how we printed it. The Bible guide is a, a way to take you through the most important book ever right here, God's Bible or God's book. Very, very important. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Help us as we study the flood to learn something about what you've told us and what you've said today. We need to hear that, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Now, Noah's flood begins in chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9. Now, what's interesting is the end is in chapter 9, the beginning is in chapter 6, but we're going to read from chapter 7. Here is what the Bible says. Then the Lord said to Noah, his name means comfort. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of clean animal. Now this is important. Seven each of clean animal, a male and a female, and two each of animals that are unclean, male and his female. Also seven of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, very important, God saying seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was, now look at this now, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. Which brings me to this point. God instructed Noah to get into the ark. This is very important because he was going to destroy life on earth. God was going to destroy life he made on earth. You see, God is the creator of all life. We should treat this earth well. You see, beloved, this earth belongs to God. It's not ours. Now, we, we might have a, a title that tells us we own that piece of property or we own that piece of property. In reality, the truth is God owns it all. And he's given us stewardship over it. And he's going to hold us accountable. We're in stewardship over it. So, beloved, this is important. So we need to pay attention here. And we need to not consume the earth. But we need to 
think about what's good to preserve the earth if possible. Now, I know that's going to be very interesting for some people, but remember, this earth doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, and God's going to make a new earth soon enough. Let's go back to the scripture and read more. It says here in verse 7, So Noah with his sons, his wife, his sons, wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals and of animals that are unclean, of birds and everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark. Noah made the ark. Male and female, as God had commanded Noah. I want to make that statement clear. Remember, Noah created the ark. Now that brings me to this point. Noah went on the ark with his family and God moved on the earth. When the Lord moves, we can do nothing except submit to him. When God moves, there is nothing we can do. And we can protest. You know, we can, we can have big, strong, you know, I don't believe, I don't believe in this and that and the other. It doesn't matter. When God's in it, <laughs> I mean, we got to submit to God one way or another. That's very important. That's the best thing to do, by the way. Now, let's go on because this is very interesting. This last part is chapter 7, verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth, the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, it's exact timing he's giving us here. On that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up. Notice that all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Okay, the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were opened. The third point, the floodwaters came from the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven. You see, God has unlimited resources that we do not see. Remember that. God has unlimited resources we don't see. A lot of people think, well, God can't do this because if I don't do that, then God can't. Hold on a minute. I believe in God. And I believe that God has miracles. And I believe that miracles go way beyond human understanding and way beyond human construction. So I need to say that God can do miracles. In this case, God did a serious sign and wonder. The sign was the rain had never rained before. And the wonder was what happened to the earth. And today, as we look around and see the geological structures, how everything formed, formed quickly, and how all of the layers of the rock formed quickly. And there's a lot of science that I could back it up with. But nevertheless, we need to keep in mind that people need to understand that the flood of Noah was real. And it speaks to us today. What is God saying? He's saying to us, stay away from sin. You do that by coming to Jesus Christ and giving your life to him. And when you do that, God comes in and with his Holy Spirit, he helps you to grow in him. So let's keep that in mind today as we focus on the word of God and continue to study. Noah's flood was real. Now, from a biblical perspective, why do you think God made humans and apes look similar? Well, the same thing, same reason I think that there are similarities right through all living things, and that is we see a continuum, if you like, which speaks to us of one creator. 
If we're an entirely different, every living, other living thing on Earth, we had entirely different chemistry, entirely different everything, then we might think there's different creators. So I was very, very lucky to be able to snag an interview with Dr. Douglas Petrovich on his new book uh, on the Genesis 10 figure of Nimrod, whom Dr. Petrovich tries to identify with the historical figure of Sargon of Akkad. So if today I'm going to be giving you a, a little taste of this interview. The interview in its whole is just over an hour long and it's up for free on my YouTube channel. So go check it out if you like what you see right now. But I was asking Dr. Petrovich uh, on the clip that I'm going to show you today about why he or, and about how he handles the English translations of Genesis 10 that talk about Nimrod and how he knows uh, linguistically that Nimrod should be identified as a negative character rather than a positive character. So take a look at this. Smaller problem is with the choice of this term, a mighty one, to describe Nimrod. Now, technically that word is not wrong, but what does it do? It invokes positive characteristics, such as David's mighty men, who are these valiant warriors defending the king and serving him in a godly way. But this isn't at all what Nimrod was like. He wasn't godly in any stretch of the imagination. Instead, he was a vicious murderer who captured cities and he killed people who opposed him. And he instilled fear into the hearts of people. So I think a better translation for, for this uh, term in Hebrew is a powerful one on the earth because it avoids that positive connotation that clearly is not true of Nimrod. And now let's get to the most serious problem in that portion that I just translated for you. So the most serious problem in uh, Genesis 10, 8b and 9a is when translators state that Nimrod was a mighty hunter. And when they use this term, they miss the point completely. Nimrod was no explorer out on safaris, hunting <laughs> wild animals to put onto his trophy case. I love the idea, I love the passion, I, I love the hunting spirit, but that's not what it's saying. The proper translation here is that Nimrod became a powerful slaughterer in the sight of he who is. And the Hebrew verb here uh, has cognates or equivalents in other Semitic languages. Hebrew is a Semitic language, so it has like sister or cousin languages. And these uses uh, refer to sacrificial animals that are slaughtered so that they can be used as burnt offerings to pagan gods. So the typical expression is a sacrifice of slaughtering. And obviously this means when you take an animal that's alive, usually with a blade or something, you, you cut it, it bleeds out or you strike it in the head or something, but the, the problem is that you, you then take that animal that is now dead and you cut it into pieces and you put the pieces on an altar and you burn it up. So Nimrod slaughtered entire populations of cities as he engaged in a campaign to subjugate the entire civilized ancient world under his control. He was not a hunter of wild animals who enjoyed safaris. He killed thousands of people and he did it ruthlessly. So that's a picture of a portion of this text 
that I think needs to be brought under a, a brighter light, scrutinized, and maybe understood in a way that the original author intended it. Yeah, and I think that's so important because, I mean, you, you, when you put it in context, just in the context of Genesis 10, where even if it says Mighty Hunter, even if it's translated Mighty Hunter, then it goes on to describe that he's conquering cities and building up cities. So you see right, right. away, okay, this, this shouldn't be animals, this should be. So are you saying then that this is more of a word picture that the author that Moses is using and putting on Nimrod for us to understand like how brutal he was? Absolutely, that's the whole point. The, the author, want, Moses in my estimation, yes. Moses wants us to see and, um, and kind of be taken aback by how vicious this man was. And and like you said, this is so important, Corey, the point you made, I, I wanna just kind of hit home with this for a moment. When I teach a class on hermeneutics, which is the study of the interpretation of the Bible, uh, I mention, and I was taught this by others, so I wasn't the person who invented this, but the three most important principles of interpretation are these, context, context, and context. Context is absolutely one of the most important things that you have. It's the most important thing, I should say, when it comes to properly understanding what the Bible is trying to communicate to us. And and uh, like I said in the interview, when you just take a look at Genesis 10 and the paragraph that talks about Nimrod, you can really clearly see, uh, maybe not the word picture in Hebrew that talks about, you know, uh, sacrificial animals and how he slaughtered uh, all these different cities in, in, in bloody takeover. But you can see very clearly how uh, how Moses is setting up Nimrod's character as a negative one. But you really have to sit with it and you have to pay attention. So on tomorrow's program, I'm going to be airing another chunk of this interview where we further delve into Petrovich's case on identifying the historical Nimrod. Again, if you're curious on seeing the whole interview, it's up for free on my YouTube channel. So pop on over there. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Corey. Context, context, context. Yeah. Really, really important today as we look at this. Ryan. Yes, well, today I'm continuing to showcase this video set called A World by Design 3, which is a collection of some new interviews that I recorded at a recent science conference. And I'm gonna be sharing clips of these interviews with all, all of you all month long. And for the last two days, I've shown you parts of my interview with Christian marine biologist, Dr. Robert Carter. And he's back today to discuss an absolutely fascinating topic. In particular, the genetic evidence for Adam and Eve and for Noah and his family. Check it out. Okay, I wanna talk a little bit, you have, a, you have a section in the chapter called Genesis and our genes. And I know you and Dr. John Sanford have been working on this whole thing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? If there was an Adam and Eve, and if there was a Noah's flood, those things should have left marks behind in our genome. They should left evidence behind. So the evolutionists go out and what do they discover? In 1988, I think it was, mitochondrial Eve, the one woman who's the ancestor of all living people today. That's funny because that's not demanded by evolutionary theory. They didn't have to have a mitochondrial Eve. It is demanded by scripture. And they found that there's only one female ancestor of everybody. And looking at the mitochondrial genome, the little piece of DNA we only get from our mothers, is very, very, very different from chimpanzees. 
So not only are we very different than monkeys, we all go back to one woman. Now the evolutionary Eve, I would put the biblical Eve in a different place on our family tree, but there's still only one woman. The same is true for the Y chromosome that we get from our fathers. There is an, a Y chromosome Adam, actually he's Y chromosome Noah, but that's a long story. The evolutionists call him Y chromosome Adam, one man who's the ancestor of every man alive on earth today. Exactly what the Bible predicts. The Bible also um, would say that we came from a very small population after Noah's flood, and it's quite clear that we have spread out across the world from a central location. They call it out of Africa theory. I call it out of Babel because even, even the out of Africa theory, forget about their starting point in Africa. They're saying that there's been a single dispersal of people across the face of the earth, through the Middle East, in the recent past, with one Y chromosome and one mitochondrial ancestor. That's the biblical story. It's just their origin is in Africa instead of the Middle East region. That's a small difference. The biblical data are screaming at us from the genetics. So I really do want to thank Dr. Rob Carter for joining us over these past few days, and I encourage you to check out his work over at creation.com. And if you want this interview in full, then it is available now on the set called A World by Design 3, along with the seven other interviews that I recorded at the Creation Super Conference. Now, obviously, because of time, I could only share short clips of Dr. Carter, but the full interview is around 45 minutes long. And also on this set, I interviewed Dr. Don Batten, who I'll introduce you to tomorrow, uh, Gary Bates, Spike Passaris, Professor Steve Taylor, Dr. Jim Mason, Richard Fangrad, and Matt Bondi. And we talk about topics like dinosaurs, genetics, aliens, UFOs, distant starlight and the age of the earth, ancient Egypt, and a lot more. And this set is available both on DVD and digital download. So to order the DVD, you can call, write, or go to our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And if you're going digital, then you can just simply download it through the website. Very good, Ryan. Thank you so much, Janice. Yes, well, today I titled my segment, Be Faithful to Trust and Obey God. My very first inclination here, there's a couple of points that I want to make, just brief points from Genesis 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I thought how important it is for us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to be faithful to God in our generation. And I truly believe that God places us in the place where we are. And you and I are in the world right now for a purpose in this time and in this place. And so let us be righteous, which means right with God. Is that Does that mean that we are perfect? No, it doesn't. But it means that we trust and obey in God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we focus our lives on Him. Let's strive to do that in this generation. And you know, my second point, God gave Noah specific instructions. God came to Noah and had him construct and gave him the instructions of this huge ship, this big ark. And he told him how to build it. It took him 
hundreds of years to build this. And you can imagine the community of people around him wondering what he was doing, probably mocking him. And, and all the time, um, you know, Noah is telling the people that God has commanded him to do this. And then you have the scene of the animals entering into the ark. God was very specific in which animals should be on the ark and, uh, clean animals, unclean animals, male and female. And, and then they went on to the, to the ark that they would accompany them. There was specific numbers, specific things that Noah had to do that probably did not make much sense to Noah at all. What Noah did know was the faithfulness and the right thing to do would be to be obedient to what God has told him to do. And much the same for us today. You know, God has told us about the future in his word, about the day that we live in today, about how to follow him. He's given us his written word. And as believers, we need to follow that word. We need to be persistent to know and not just know his word, but know it so deeply within our hearts that we know how to respond when things arise in our world that we may not understand. And, and a lot of what's going on in the world today doesn't make a lot of sense. Some of it doesn't feel good. It, and, and, and some of the things that God say it may feel like it's impossible to us. We don't understand how those things are going to happen. But in these moments, we must trust and we must obey the word of God for you and for me and for those around us and share our testimonies. Talk about God. Be sure to be teaching that to our children and to our grandchildren. The end result, end result, I'm sorry, for Noah and his family, we read in Genesis 7 verse 23, and it's very sobering. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Remember that Noah trusted and obeyed in a faithful God in the instructions and the word that he gave him. So is true today. Well, thank you for joining us today as we studied. I want to tell you about Beyond the Call. Beyond the Call is a program we do, and I have a chance to interview everybody, and it's very, very exciting. And uh, we do that. We feature different people. And Beyond the Call, you can get it at Bible Discovery TV or our YouTube, or you can go to Facebook, or you can get it wherever you get your podcast. So look for Beyond the Call on Bible Discovery TV podcast. Let's pray. Father, help me to keep close to you today as I continue to read your word in Jesus' name.